Hello, and welcome to the Unstoppable Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Alcott. This is a podcast for anyone who makes, supports, loves, or is curious about the world of independent music and DIY touring. Here at the Unstoppable Rock Podcast, part of the Spirit of Rock Network, I sit down and talk with independent musicians, bookers, promoters, photographers, and engineers who are finding a way to make and support the music they love. We celebrate the weirdos, non-Nashville folkies, basement punk rockers, bedroom balladeers, indie rock purists, cassette tape-swapping psychheads, perfect pop song chasers, hip-hop alchemists, hardcore or mathcore or post-whatever-core-just-happened kids, and everyone who has showed up and paid five bucks to see their favorite out-of-town band or artist sweat it out on a Wednesday. If you're part of this world or curious about this incredibly vibrant and creative subset of the music world, this podcast is for you. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Sasha Alcott, and along with my partner, Chris Viner, we tour, write, record, and distribute our music under the name When Particles Collide. We met in the spring of 2010 in Bangor, Maine, when we were both cast in a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Because we tour 40-plus weeks out of the year, we meet a lot of folks along the way. This is a podcast where I sit down and talk to some of our friends and colleagues about DIY music, their hometown, and feature new music that you've likely never heard before. It's the first Thursday of the month of December 2019. I'm going to go ahead and tell you where you can see when particles collide during the rest of the month. On the 6th, we'll be in Philadelphia at Ortliebs. On the 7th, we'll be in Trenton, New Jersey at Champs. Both the 13th and 14th, we'll be performing as part of Her Majesty's Cabaret at the Bangor Arts Exchange in Bangor, Maine. On the 19th, we'll be at Sun Tiki Studios in Portland, Maine. On the 20th, we'll be in Nocturnum Draft House in Bangor, Maine. 21st is a private house show. The 27th is Furies in Dover, New Hampshire. And the 28th, we'll be at Book and Bar in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Today, we're going to hear my conversation with Beck Graham, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, who's the guitarist and vocalist of the Grand Rapids, Michigan-based band, The Quirk. The Quirk is a self-described alternative punk rock band, and as I mentioned, they're from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, they are equal parts 90s girl grunge, along with some playful ska-oriented undertones and sometimes overtones, and they're a great ensemble, an incredible live band. They self-describe themselves as using equal parts, pop structure, abrasive distorted guitars, and sometimes shouted, sometimes sung vocals to deliver vulnerable but empowering messages. Review Magazine said in June of 2019 that The Quirk is, quote, one of the most exciting acts in Grand Rapids' resilient punk scene, end quotes. They've opened for L7, Laura Stevenson, they participated in the 2019 Pooza Fest, which is Montreal's preeminent punk rock party, and Bloodfest, a Michigan festival dedicated to an all-ages chem-free environment. I sat down with Beck this past August in 2019, right before she had booked a show for my band in Grand Rapids. I do want to mention really quickly, we've got a content warning for today's interview, so be aware that we do speak about sexual assault in this interview, and I just want to make sure that our listeners are aware. And with that, let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Beck Graham from The Quirk. Well, I know that one of the things we were going to talk about was like shows and accessibility. So mm -hmm. I know that you, this is like a huge passion topic yeah. for you. So yeah, if you want to just jump in, tell me a little about the work you've done in the last, the last year, like what's been going on. Well, a couple of years ago, I became really close friends with Tyler Dykema. He uh, has SMA and started doing a zine. Everybody was like, you should get to know this guy. And I was just like, yeah, but I feel weird because it's just like, I should get to know him just because <laughs> he uses a wheelchair. And then it's just like, I have my own disability that I deal with. And I'm like, I would feel weird if everybody's like, oh, I want to be friends with you because you have a disease <laughs> like or an illness. <laughs> and I'm like, uh. It's super so, awkward. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like kind of like cool and well meant. But also I was just like, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I don't know. Is that cool? I don't know. But then it's just like I eventually ended up like meeting him anyway and it was totally fine. <laughs> he was like, you could, yeah, he's like, you could have just set me up. He's like, I'm in a, like, I use a wheelchair. I mean, a lot of people talk to me because I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> so like a big thing for him is people like recognizing him as a person and not just his disability and stuff and actually acknowledging him and talking to him right. and not just like being around him and addressing other people or like talking 
about him while he's, he's right there. Like, oh, this person thinks this or whatever. So, yeah, but just becoming really close friends with him and, like, us just openly talking about different issues together yeah. and how, like, we can tackle them. Trial and error or just, like, informative flyers. It's just a whole community thing. That's awesome. And it's uh, one thing that was really interesting we were talking about the other day is we played a show in Ypsilanti, and there's a lot of times when you play a show, a venue will have a sort of standard document that they give performers that gives information about, you know, load in and parking and, you know, the equipment that's available, things like that. And we got one from this house venue. So that's uh, somebody's house. In this case, it was in the basement. And one of the headings, like in this bullet point list, was accessibility. Mm-hmm. And so it listed, you know, that, that there were how many stairs there were and how steep they were and, you know, where the bathroom was, was one stair up. And, you know, so it was, and I, I thought immediately of you yeah. because it's not, you know, you're from Grand Rapids and, and Ypsilanti is not that, that far away. Right. So it's kind of, and I thought, oh my gosh, the work that Becca's doing in Grand Rapids is, is totally spreading. It's, it's like, really like the work that we're all doing. I ended up sending that page over to Tyler and he was like, oh yeah, they asked me about that. So I helped outline it for them and stuff. That's so yeah, so we're, awesome. we're just all tackling stuff and trying to get as much awareness out as we can. I mean, the ultimate goal is to be inclusive and get more people to come to shows who feel like they've never been welcomed before. There's a whole community out there that hasn't felt like they're welcomed, has right. felt like they've been excluded because of their illness or disability. And so the ultimate goal is just to get more people to come out and feel welcome. And that's, that's really it. Yeah, that's, that's all. I feel like that ties in a lot with, you know, we've spoken in the past a little bit, your own personal story about music and playing music mm-hmm. and like access points to feeling like you not belonged is probably the wrong word, but like feeling like you could own, I don't know, you describe, I, I feel like I'm going to try to describe <laughs> it, but I feel like you would better tell your story of, you know, coming to being the front person in a band, the main, you know, songwriter and vocalist and guitar player yeah. in a band and how that happened. There were some starts and, right, there were some starts and fits right. sort of. Oh, yeah. It was like when I was younger, I was tokenized a lot for being a woman or um, told what I could and couldn't do because of my gender or uh, just treated like I didn't know what I was talking about. It didn't matter if I said anything. All of the people that I was involved with in the music community were all men. And so everything I said that wasn't what they thought punk rock should be was just dismissed very abruptly. And so eventually when you're dismissed by so many people, you just kind of feel like you're crazy and they're right. And then there's a lot of like deep-seated anger that comes with that and like getting a huge ship on your shoulder and kind of like having the whole attitude of like fuck you no so like going through all of those emotions of like being treated differently because of my gender or not being taken seriously that was a big thing a lot of people didn't even believe that I was in my own band they were like no you don't get to play this instrument because you are a woman and we don't need you to play an instrument because we all have this. So big thing is like feeling like being included, but not being included through being tokenized, being included for being me and the instrument that I choose to play that I like to play and not being excluded from that part of it because that part of it can't be (laughs) used Basically, like as a woman, you play guitar and stuff like a lot of women get shoved to playing bass or drums or other instruments. Like when they actually do play an instrument or just a front person. Now, there are a lot of musicians and they are front women and that's what they like to do. That's their thing. They love singing and that's awesome. But I'm talking about women that play guitar. There are so many men that play guitar. And basically, so many many men that play guitar. So basically, when a woman plays guitar, that's taking up the space that a man would usually, like that gender role of a man playing guitar. Right. And so 
I don't know if it's specifically like that for women playing bass or drums or other instruments or like keyboard. I know keyboard is viewed as pretty feminine instrument right. too. A lot of women play it, but specifically for guitar, there's that issue a lot because there are a lot of dudes out there that play guitar and there are a lot of dudes out there that play guitar better than I do, but that's not what it's about. It's about nope. me playing the instrument I like and them making space for me to do that. It's so it's really interesting you say that. I think we're seeing that sentiment like in places that aren't just like the indie rock world or the punk rock world when positions <laughs> whether they're positions in a band like being the guitar player or whatever mm-hmm. it is traditionally held by men Mm-hmm. And when somebody who looks different wants to come in and do that job, yep. it feels like someone is taking away something, mm-hmm. trying to take something that rightfully, be- rightfully, right. I, for those of you listening, I am, I've got, I've got hand quotes over rightfully, um, you know, belongs to them. And then it's this ha- like, how weird, they feel, this, yeah. yeah, it's how they feel. And right. there's this resentment that comes mm-hmm. up. It's very, yeah. it's very, it's very twisted to be on the other side of that yeah they are very used to they feel entitled to that position in their gender role or whatever role they feel like they're playing out and uh to be asked to do to not do that or to step aside is very intrusive feeling for them (laughs) but um i feel like it's fine yeah no, it's and fine. It sh- you know, if what? I hurt your feelings, that's fine. Like they it should <laughs> feel should be questioned. They should have those. Yeah. I mean, it's about time to have your feelings hurt a little bit. Yeah, as I get, I have gotten my feelings hurt for the past fifteen years. Like yeah, exactly, telling me everything I can't do because of my gender. Yeah, so and it's time to feel right. a little ouchy. Right. You know, that other people want to do Yes, it does hurt when somebody tells you that you can't do something. And it's like me taking my place and what I want to do has no direct effect on somebody else. It's just like, I'm doing my thing. If you're hurt by that, then, well, that's your problem. It is is their problem. Like 110%. 110%. Because then they have to not only... You know, for folks specifically, I guess in this case, we're talking about folks who identify as, as male and sort of that more traditional male gender role of playing guitar. It's like if you feel threatened by women coming in and playing guitar and playing guitar the way they want to and not the way you think it should be played, right. et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you are going to have to live with those hurt feelings, not yeah. the people coming in and doing their thing. Yeah. Another huge issue, too, is the whole making space for somebody to do that part of that is giving somebody room to learn. A lot of women are excluded because it's not a typical gender role. Even from a young age, their parents don't give them an electric guitar like they would. uh, Or encourage them to stay in their room for four hours a day noodling on guitar. Right. Which is something that that worried my mother when I was growing up. She's like, you need to get out more. And she would make me sit outside of my room sometimes because she was worried about me or whatever and I was just looking up guitar tabs <laughs> all the time <laughs> so <laughs> I love that this is what, this highlights the difference in our ages but I love that when you were learning guitar you could look up tabs online yeah. and that's like so I just like played along to the radio <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was like there was still some radio I hated everything on the radio pretty yeah. much so I was just looking up you that was like when YouTube first came out. Oh, so, that's so exciting. Yeah, I was kind of on the cusp of all of the internet taking off and awesome. social media and everything. I think I remember having a Zanga account. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first social media page. Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, a lot of that fits into, like, a... People uh, that have disabilities, too, like um, a big thing in our community is giving them space at the front of the show, like right near the stage, raising awareness of that, like in a positive way. So let's say you're at a show and there's, you know, somebody in a wheelchair or whatever that can't see whatever. It's not wrong for you to ask somebody to move so they can see. Absolutely. Like, or ask them, be like, can you see okay? And then ask them if they're comfortable with 
asking somebody to move. Right. And it's just like, you know, being able to freely just say those things and make that a standard. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when you were talking about the flyers and, you know, not only with, you know, events online or posters or other materials promoting a show, having information about accessibility, but also at venues having, you know, even signs up about accessibility, like mm-hmm. reminding people. Yep. Sometimes people need a little, like a, almost like a script to follow. Right. You know, to say, hey, right. can you see? You know, like they feel awkward. Right. A lot of uh, a lot of people that attend shows or a lot of people that are in bands are often, if they're not you know, typical male role or whatever, or typical, you know, able-bodied person or like whatever normal stereotype, (laughs) uh, there is a tendency to treat them like they're an inconvenience. And it's our job as a culture and a community of people to change that and just change the culture in that environment and stuff and be able to be inclusive yeah to everyone and it's like you know it's the thing of when you are able to do something like that you know not only is it the right thing to do but it also makes you feel better like it actually has a direct benefit to an individual when you are able to yeah it makes more inclusive yeah it makes everyone feel better like there's literally nobody that loses yeah exactly and the (laughs) same thing with like the guitar playing you know if you watch if you really set your judgment aside and you listen to somebody play or you watch them learn or you're watching mm-hmm. somebody, you know, a younger band, and by younger I mean n- more novice, you know, trying things out, mm-hmm. they're going to bring something to, ta- to the table that you've never thought of before. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you're going to learn, and the more sort of accepting you are. This actually came up in a conversation that I had with Chris because uh, I interviewed him for the first podcast to get <laughs> to get like our feet wet. Hey, bandmate, let's get this all out right yeah, now <laughs> on the mic. On the mic. Um, but we were talking about, yeah, that whole, you know, in the indie rock world or in, you know, I don't know what to call it, but like local music scene, mm-hmm. DIY, in, independent music, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, in that world playing shows, you do encounter a lot of folks who are playing their first couple shows, mm-hmm. you know, and they're yep. really trying things out for the first time and, you know, learning how to really listen and watch with a, you know, with an open, with an open mind and an open heart and, right. you know, with a lot of empathy and, and, you know, and the only time that becomes challenging if someone is a jerk, a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's quite a few of those that come to mind and when that <laughs> happens you're just like no fuck you what did you do when you were younger fuck yeah. off dude <laughs> so it's kind of like yeah. how do you how do you balance that's actually I, I i wasn't planning on asking this question but <laughs> i definitely feel like there can be a challenge for folks sort of in our world that we inhabit when you know, you're, you're interacting with people, whether they're bookers or other bands right. or whomever, even audience members. It's like, sometimes you want to say, it's like, fuck off. I never want right. to, I never want to oh, deal with you. I never want to work with you again. Often, often feel like that. <laughs> but like you also are part of the same right. community and like, is it my job to educate you about right. there's the a, shitty thing you did or, you yeah. know what I mean? There's okay. So there's definitely like, a tendency to just be like fuck you or whatever and like you know for sure and sometimes that's definitely called for but also not before like no it is not your job to educate anybody on these issues everybody should educate yourself but I feel like leaving room for mistakes is a huge and leaving room for learning like everybody comes from a different background and stuff and yes somebody is being intrusive or you know being a dick or whatever you know definitely say fuck you but like also there is some stuff that people just don't know it's like each of us individually are like one person out of billions of people and even as a performer I am not educated on every subject there ever was about you know being inclusive or like you know a lot of uh topics 
of feminism and stuff like that. There are things I don't know. And so as humans, we all have to realize we have to leave room for mistakes. Yeah. But the biggest thing is, is if somebody wants to change, like if somebody is genuinely like not understanding something, right. take the time to explain it to them. Nobody's going to learn by people just getting in their face and being like, fuck you. That's a really exclusive way of handling things. I know. And like <laughs> the thing I see in I've been around in the music scene for a little while in Grand Rapids. I've been going to shows since I was 15. I've been playing live in bands since I was 17. And there are a lot of people in the scene that will call other people out for things they don't know about. And in my mind, I was just like, yeah, but where were you 10 years ago? Because I'm pretty sure you were doing the same thing that you're calling them out for right now. And sure, there is a learning curve that you went through, but maybe they haven't gone through that yet. Having humanity in your mind when you talk to people. So like, you know, if you have talked to somebody and they refuse to change, sure. Call them out. Say, fuck you. (laughs) kick them out of your scene do whatever you have to do but or if they've done something intrusive enough or dangerous enough then sure you know out them but like leave room for mistakes you don't have to emphasize with that person at all but you should definitely be like you're wrong this is why please change have you had to have those kind of confrontations um personally personally there, there hasn't been many, but I will mostly try to explain something. I'm not a super confrontational person to begin with. It yeah. makes me uncomfortable, and I don't like getting my stress levels up for my own health. Sure. And so it, for me, it's easier to just try to explain something to somebody. Because I've been playing music for so long, and I know the way that the old mindset was, and I know that things have shifted into this new mindset where a lot of the older people just don't understand. I do try to explain things a little yeah. bit more to them. It's been, that, that's been a really interesting thing for, for me personally to experience, especially with bands that are more like your age and, and younger. And, yeah. you know, I do hear people say, well, you know, like Gen X did this and they don't really understand or they don't, you know, older people don't really understand and they don't get. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm right here. Right, yeah. I'm like right here and I'm really trying. Yeah. Like I'm really. Get, give them room to understand. Know, but give I totally, room. I get it because it's yeah. frustrating for people, young folks especially, who often, you know, see things very clearly about yeah. like, you just don't talk like that or you don't say that or, right. you know, this is what's protocol now. This is what's normal now. Right. And then older folks have a really hard time. Yeah understanding having the bandwidth to understand right i would say like yeah if there's somebody that's older that you know if you are a person that's older that feels like you're kind of lost in all of these new uh, you know (laughs) yeah changes and everything and somebody either calls you out or is like no it's not that way or like you know a lot of young younger people go directly to anger and don't see that as an attack. See that as a frustration of lack of being informed. Don't see it as attack. Just know that they're younger and someday they they will be your age. Yeah. And that comes (laughs) from a place of idealism. Somebody will be mad at them too. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think a lot of stuff. And I feel like the things that we're talking about, just to be real specific and didactic about it, you know, I think we're probably talking about, accessibility especially mm. in terms of any kind of um, able-bodiedness yeah. right, issues and we're yep. also talking about gender in terms of assuming things about folks based on gender and yeah. you know treating people with respect both on stage and in the audience and I think we're also talking about probably a lot of you know gender fluidity to yeah. assumptions around pronouns and how yep. to describe somebody and refer to someone and yep. then oh and also consent stuff yeah uh, yep. around a lot of consent around mm-hmm. any sort of physical right you know interaction you know and and for those of us who are older so I'm 46 that was not part when I was in my 20s you know asking for consent for any sort of physical contact like you know 
hugs, right. you know, like all that stuff, you know, that even small stuff, let alone any sort of intimate encounter. Right. That was not the norm. And asking for pronouns was not even yeah. something you considered. Yeah, even, even when I was a teenager, it was just like assumed if a guy didn't try to kiss you, he didn't like you or something yeah, like that yeah. because of Disney. <laughs> because of Disney. But like now the normal is like, hi, uh, do you mind if I hug you? It's good to yeah. see you again. And yep. that is totally awesome. And I think it should have always been that great. way. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I'm all, you know, I'm definitely all for it. I'm a, I love the asking for, for permission yeah. or for, you know, it's consent. It's really guess, empowering really. thing, especially like if somebody has ever been abused or like has triggers of being, you know, having physical interactions with people and stuff. And it's like, you don't know. At first when somebody asked me, can I give you a hug? And I was just like, oh yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. That's so cool you asked. Yeah. And it's just like, to me, it seemed weird at first. And like, but then I was like, no, that's totally correct. That's, that's right. Like, yeah. that's how things should be. It's one of my favorite things about playing music is being peripherally in touch with, mm-hmm. I feel like, cultural shifts and changes. Yeah. And one thing that's also so interesting is whether I'm in Duluth, Minnesota or Grand Rapids, Michigan, the language and the things that people are really caring about when it comes to creating inclusive spaces are the same yeah. because there's nothing necessarily connecting right those i mean there's social media but there's just it's just like fascinating to see this cultural sort of these right. cultural phenomena happening yeah. region that feel very regional but are all part mm-hmm. of a national yeah and probably international conversation yeah it's, there's definitely all over the world um i know my good friends just went to Europe and toured and stuff. And uh, they were just telling me about a situation that happened where somebody had a boyfriend but wanted to hook up with one of the bandmates. And the bandmates found out and was like, whoa, no, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, you should work, you know, if you're not happy with that person, you should go work it out <laughs> with them. Like, that's, uh, yeah, sure, maybe you want to have fun, but no. And then it's just like, you know, teaching people to empower and value themselves too and empower and value their you know their relationships with people and just be open and honest like hey this isn't working out for me I think we should go our separate ways yeah and just to actually find the language yeah and give yourself the the permission to say that stuff out loud I think I've listened to this interview with Beck several times, probably three or four times. I think there's so much going on in this interview that every time I listen, I I hear something new that I didn't hear before. Some of the things that really struck me as I was listening to Beck talk, in particular about her autobiographical story about when she was young and, and was in bands, that feeling of being included but being tokenized at the same time and that feeling how profound that was for her and how alienating that was and how difficult it was to find a way to claim her space within that paradigm and I think that we see that in so many places in our culture at large where there are institutions whether in this case punk rock in Grand Rapids is the context that we're talking about but whether it's Ivy League institutions the Supreme Court sitting on City Council being on the board of a not-for-profit starting a new company and looking for investors Whatever it is that someone is trying to do, if there's already some kind of culture established where, in America certainly, white men and white men of means have often defined what that institution looks like, whenever someone different uh, comes along, someone from a group that is traditionally underrepresented or traditionally oppressed, there is often this tokenism that happens where 
the contribution of someone isn't actually taken seriously because all they're seen as is a box to check off and not an actual contributing member of the team. You can sense this sometimes when you see some sort of ensemble, whether it's a, a group of folks in a writing room in L.A., or judges on a reality TV show, no matter what it is, if you have two people from a traditionally underrepresented group in a group of people, it can seem strange. Like, oh, we've got the one Asian guy. We've got the one black person. Oh, we've got an Indian. Okay, we've got a Native American. You know, we sort of, one is enough, but two starts to seem strange. And that just shouldn't... <laughs> obviously be the case but it really struck me that uh, Beck's story highlights the one of the things that we have to actively as a culture face which is as we create more inclusive spaces and as we respect and honor diversity in all of our institutions and all of our cultural media and mediums we have to be careful of tokenism just in our own minds uh, for sure. I think that's really, really important because we, as we heard from Beck, it's incredibly alienating and actually can be very oppressive and not at all an empowering thing, which reminds me of something else that Beck was talking about, which is really how we make space for people. I think she really did highlight the idea that when you make space for other people, Sometimes it's uncomfortable for the person making the space, but how important it is and how much better we would all be if we created space for other people, even though in the creating of space, you have to let go of something. I mean, even in the most simple case, making space for somebody in a wheelchair at a show means that you don't get to stand right up front. But what a joyful thing it is to have more people at the show and people who are really excited. And certainly standing behind somebody in a wheelchair is a small, small sacrifice. But I think it's really important that we all think about how we can make space for other people and find and recognize the joy that there is in that kind of letting go of something that you have and giving it to somebody else, that there is a there is a joy in that. And then one of my other favorite things that we've talked about in this interview so far is a little bit about call-out culture, which is very prominent in the independent music scene. And as she points out, there are a lot of really great things about call-out culture, about not tolerating intolerance and not tolerating abusive behavior. And there's also something negative about it which is not leaving room for growth and education and I think that kind of sensitivity to both aspects of calling out unacceptable behavior uh, is really important for all of us to keep in our minds not only what is the world that we want to inhabit but how do we create it and I think the how it's always messy, and it's never simple, and we need to keep that in our minds as we do really good and important work. I hope that you are finding as many things to reflect on and think about uh, listening to this conversation between myself and Beck as I have, but for now, let's just get right back into it. There's a lot more great stuff. Speaking of empowered, I want to ask you about a specific thing. I did come <laughs> with a few questions. So yeah. we were talking before about, you know, both you and I are guitarists. Right. So, you know, I know for me, anyway, always being in a band, I always wanted to have an instrument. I didn't want to be a vocalist. Right. And of course, being a vocalist is a great is a great choice. And, and a lot of vocalists that I know also play instruments, but for performance, they choose to sing. Right. But I definitely, you know, and pr probably specifically because of my gender as well, I want people to know that I know how to play guitar. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but you in your band, The Quirk, there's this part in your set where you put your guitar down. Oh, yeah. And I have so loved watching 
that moment when you put that guitar down and you know I feel like there's a different empowerment that happens you for know what? sure yeah you want to just talk about that a little bit so okay so when I was younger <laughs> I was in a band and it was very much not encouraged for me to play my instrument in that band I had asked different band members and they uh specifically one bandmate and they had told me no very often and I was like it would always piss me off and I would be like why like then that person would say we don't need another guitar player and I was just like not even like leaving space for me to be able to do that and then just you know just all of these things and it would piss me off (laughs) royally (laughs) but being young um I didn't know any better. I didn't speak up about it. I held it all inside. And my way of dealing with it was to just fucking scream every fucking song I could. And that killer scream. That was my fucking outlet. (laughs) And I was just like, that was my fuck you to every man (laughs) ever. (laughs) Just like, you know, even if I wasn't saying words or, you know, pertaining to that subject, that was my outlet. Just, fucking get on a stage and scream it didn't matter what I said it was just my emotions and that's what mattered to me so setting the guitar down and doing that is almost my way of reflecting on that time of my life and harnessing that anger and that frustrated emotion and just fucking getting it out for me it's viewing everything as a whole that part of my life made me who I am right now. Right. And sure, I can throw down. Yes. I can play the guitar. I can throw down on a mic. Yes, I can do that, but I still choose to play the guitar. And some of it is just like feeling out the crowd, seeing if, you know, I feel like that situation is appropriate for me doing that. Right. But when I do that, there's definitely, it's a very emotional, empowering thing for me because. Nobody is telling me to only have a microphone. I choose to only have a microphone. And that is the big thing. My choice. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's like magic when, I mean, I've seen, you know, I'm thinking one performance in particular that was just, when you did that, it was just magic. And it felt like magic for the people in the audience. You know, it was tight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It was was cool. awesome I was like this is that this is what music is about this is what music is for you know yeah like that moment was so powerful yeah to me it's just a representation of my choice yeah if I choose to only have a mic that is my choice if I choose to have a guitar yeah and do vocals that is my choice and nobody can tell me otherwise (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's kind of what that represents is that is the song like the content of the song related to that or is it completely um different? I don't know <laughs> you don't never, I didn't I didn't write the song around that I think I just wrote that song about kind of being in my early 20s like when I got to my mid 20s just kind of burning my life as it was yeah. I feel like I feel like a lot of people when they get to be about 25 their life takes a major shift and sure. everything implodes <laughs> so yeah. yeah that was kind of like what that song was about speaking of of songs we're gonna play one of the quirks songs yeah. right at the end of the podcast For so sure. do you want to just tell us like what song we're we're gonna hear and tell us a little bit about you can anything you want to talk about okay. it doesn't have to be what the song is about or content it could be like the recording process or what yeah. it represents for you anything yeah up to you the song is uh, in her eyes and it was written about a situation that had happened to one of my bandmates uh when i was younger it's not my current band or anything like that but um there was a show that we had gone to in a different state we had played the show and that night we were told you know you can stay in this room everything's safe there's lock on the door like when you all guys are all ready to go to bed you know just lock the door and it'll be fine so you know we stayed up and we partied and there's you know there's four or five of us there when it got time to actually go to sleep 
in the morning, I woke up and I found out that one of my bandmates had been raped in the same room right next to me. And it wasn't something that should have happened. And it was one fucking douchebag that ruined that whole trip for us. That whole, and my friend also, like, just fucking took something that was not, didn't belong to him. (laughs) So that's kind of what that song was about. Uh, Just, it was a really sad thing. Like, just realizing, like, shit like we were all there right we were all there and that still happened yeah and just like I've even had a situation myself um where I was waiting in line okay and this guy this isn't involved with music at all but this guy behind me grabbed my hips first I thought it was my partner I looked behind and it was some stranger And I told him, I was like, fuck off, dude. And he was like, looked at me and he said, what are you going to do? Call the cops? It was a crowded room full of people. He was behind me in line. And at that point, I was like, he's right. I don't have any power right now. What am I going to do? The cops aren't going to do anything. And so I guess my, when I wrote it, uh, I was very sad, uh, very confused and frustrated now that it's been a while since that's happened and since I wrote the song and stuff just clarity on being in community and being there for each other and watching out for each other like um that that message isn't quite in the song it's just a reflection of my heart and the heaviness of the situation and what had happened to my friend yeah but also like now that there's been more time to reflect just really trying to focus that energy on educating people and really like encouraging them to be there for each other and watch out for each other and really discouraging a uh, lack of consent in our scene and you know something that, that struck me you know especially about the second encounter the personal encounter that you just described it harkens back to me anyway to this thing that we were talking about earlier about what some people in our society think belongs to them yeah and women's bodies right have been treated like a commodity or like a thing that you're owed right if you're a certain if you identify a certain way right right like you're you belong belonged to that guy in his mind yeah. in his eye he thought he could just touch me yeah like and he thought he could grab my hips he thought he could just and it's just and that was okay and it's so what's so sickening to me about that kind of ideology or that kind of imprinted thought pattern whether it has to do with the world guitar playing guitar belongs to me you know this belong like these things inherently just will come to me because mm-hmm. I'm owed them by the world is that for that mentality to change. And that's really patriarchy, right? Like that's patriarchy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So in order for that to change, you know, we, especially, I think both of us identify as women. Yeah. Right. So like we can scream mm-hmm. all we want and we can help awareness and we can create safe spaces as much as we possibly fucking can. But men have to, they have to be part of the smashing. Yeah, you got to be an ally. You have to, because the, that change, that mental change has got to come from within. Right. And that's one of the things that, like, is... But they, that awareness won't happen unless people like right. you Definitely. and myself, like, speak yeah. up and, and expose right. things for... Call your we friends have, out. Yeah, we have... <laughs> we de- oh, definitely call your friends call out. Call your friends out. We have a definite role to play, but I know that, like, there's a lot of work... That has yeah. to be done yep. in the hearts and minds of men. Yes. And it's going to take a long time, but the more people that speak up about it, the more people that share their stories, the more men that realize it is every woman you know. Yeah, absolutely. It is your mom. It's your sister. It's your daughters. 
everybody you know. It's your aunt, your grandma. And just saying that you don't share that mentality doesn't fix right. doesn't fix it. Right. Right. Well, exactly. I don't. I would never. I would, oh, I would never do. That. Well, that doesn't mean your friend wouldn't. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you haven't been <laughs> in a situation where someone has said something completely and utterly inappropriate. And and yeah. going back to that whole like finding the words to confront a situation that is not right. right. Like saying to the person in the wheelchair, like, Hey man, can you see, do you want, do you need to be mm-hmm. up front? Like I can trade places with you or whatever. Like just finding something as simple as that to like finding the way to confront somebody who says something to describe somebody yeah. um, inappropriately or who grabs somebody, right. you know, like, yeah, I, I think a big focus too is to like, don't be afraid to reach out to the victim or if a victim reaches out to you, don't be afraid to help them. Yeah. Like, simple. Like get them to a safe place. It's not always about the person that has done something wrong. Like if you see something and you don't feel safe to handle that problem, maybe ask the victim how you can help them. Yeah. Like sometimes what the abuser does is out of your control, but you can definitely be there for somebody that has just gone through something traumatic. Or if you saw an injustice happen, be supportive to them. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit to uh, what I hope is um, a very uh, positive thing for you which is yeah. uh you did a little bit of touring this summer it did so yeah, i don't know if you fine. want to talk about so like <laughs> um you know for for our listeners who uh maybe aren't musicians themselves when you're playing in a band often the first you know part of your band's life is playing pretty locally maybe a town over or a town or two over yep. um and then there's the <laughs> and Holy then there's the, shit. like yeah and, then yeah. There, and then there's so many questions like how does it even happen yeah you know like how do you even so i just thought you know as as a band that is just sort of start like you guys have yeah. an incredible local following you've played a bunch in the towns like an hour or two around right, yeah. right? your home yeah. base um but just this summer sort of started bigger Right. Yeah. I'm not misdescribing, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. No, sort of how that came to be, how it was for you. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, our first time out of town was uh, our first tour ever. And that was um, getting welcomed into Pooza Fest in Montreal, Canada. And definitely there was thoughts of, oh, my God, I just bit off more than I can chew. <laughs> like... <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Like, and then also like I have my own disability uh, myself. And so my own thoughts of like, I don't belong here. I don't belong doing this. I should be at home taking care of myself or like, um, you know, just different things of like, uh, having to deal with the, you know, the things that come along with having my disability and being vulnerable around my bandmates right, <laughs> and right. like asking for help and getting over the feeling of feeling that like sometimes I do get embarrassed, but then also beating myself up about feeling embarrassed about right, it because right. oh. I should be like, you know, <laughs> an advocate for these things or whatever. I'm like, just feeling like a hypocrite is like this is the thing that you do all the time and now you're doing it and you encourage people to like be open and include other people and you're so hard on yourself and just being all around mean to myself about you know there's no right way to be a sick person or have an illness or you know or a disability you just have to try your best and try to tell yourself the things your best friend would say to you and be like no it's okay like you know knowing that nobody's gonna laugh at you I mean you might laugh at yourself but no (laughs) one's gonna laugh at you or think of you as you know an inconvenience or anything different because of your illness and stuff like that or your disability and like realizing that people have bigger hearts than you think they have (laughs) I feel like that's that is the take-home message from touring like period people are incredible but anyway yeah yeah. and so just going to Montreal going to a country I you know Canada I haven't didn't go haven't been there in 15 years uh since I was a kid 
going to a whole city that spoke a whole different language. I was not really aware that that was a so thing. They were really speaking French, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I mean, sure, you hear people say, you're like, oh, yeah, the, they speak French in Montreal. But I thought that was kind of, you know, like Michigan. Some people speak Spanish, you know, but it's mostly chill and English. But, like, I can understand things. It's not like that. <laughs> it was very, very different. And um, it was some culture shock that was that had happened and like some run-ins with the hotel and stuff like that and just but through all of the things that and one of the bands got their like their tour van stolen and like all of the gear in it and stuff and they still played a killer set but like all of the things that had happened and stuff like when I was going back just in my mind I was like that was awesome and some of that was shit but I would rather be taking this chance and just be sitting at home <laughs> yeah what are what were the things that not that I wanted to make this positive but what were some <laughs> of the things that were shit if you don't mind sharing oh, but you don't have to if you so don't want to it was mostly with the hotel situation oh, okay. just them uh saying that I didn't rent the room that I did rent and them because it was like a, supposed to be a suite with like two rooms in it or something and because um, we, you know, we we're staying about a week there. So it, the place had like a kitchen in it and stuff. And they were saying um, that they uh, were going to rent out one of the rooms in the suite to someone. Because I found out later they had overbooked their hotel, which totally oh. wasn't my problem. That's not your problem. So, yeah. So there was just like a lot of commotion and that freaked out my bandmates. So they tried to get an Airbnb and then their Airbnb canceled on them and then tried to book another hotel, but accidentally booked it for the wrong date. So all this stuff just kind of snowballed. But yeah. the festival itself was awesome. The stuff outside of it was <laughs> a lot more than I anticipated for. Like I had a lot of anxiety leading up to it because when you're doing something new you don't know what to expect and so you try your best to prepare for everything and so my whole focus was on the van the van like making it there and back because you always hear people about you know oh, the van breaking oh, down yeah, you, <laughs> like, you. you know just like you know seeing all the things about your van and sure, all of those yeah. struggles but like yeah um and literally everything went perfectly with the van and that was the only <laughs> thing that went perfect <laughs> everything I didn't anticipate was just like oh my god what have I done <laughs> and did you um so we've never played Pusa Fest but uh we definitely have a lot of friends who, who play it every year right so do you play more than one set or do you is it pretty much one set for yeah the... it's it's just one set uh yeah. some of the some of my friends' bands would play like a secret set or whatever that right, the right. festival sets up or whatever. But it was our first time there. I think that would have been kind of overwhelming for us anyway. Right, right. Just our, with our first time being there and just kind of getting comfortable and did you find, figuring out what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you find any new favorite bands? I did. Uh, one of my personal favorites is a band called Proper. They're okay. from Brooklyn. And so they talk about a lot of... Um, the content of their music is a lot, talks a lot about, um, for them and their struggles of being, uh, you know, pe you know, people of color in a music scene and all of the struggles that they have to deal with and stuff like that. So that was probably my favorite band there. Another favorite of mine was Pity Party. Uh, the front woman in that band, Sarah, she's awesome and I are good friends she's also good friends with my buddy Tyler so oh, that's awesome. we're kind of and then her and I also kind of went back to Michigan and she uh Pity Party also played Blood Fest as well as uh the Quirk so kind of we kind of did like a double thing oh that's awesome <laughs> so how was, was so tell me a little bit about um and I know we have to wrap up in a little bit here but um Blood Fest uh I don't really know much about it but if you I don't know a whole lot. Of, so from what I do know, it started out like somebody, I think it started out as a pool party in someone's backyard or something. And then their high school, let them have it there. And it was always supposed to be like a all ages festival, um, highlighting like, you know, inclusive, you know, being inclusive and stuff like that. And so McWork was invited to play, uh, Pity Party played, some other Grand Rapids bands, Ugly Flannel and OK Cool played, 
as well. The big thing that was really awesome is that Tyler Dykema actually got to do a Skitchin Speaks, and he got to, they put him on, uh, up on one of the main stages, and he talked about a lot of the accessibility issues, and we got a recording of it, like, we put it oh, up on, like, awesome. Quark's YouTube, and, like, within two days, it had, like, 400 views or something like that's that, yeah, so it was crazy, awesome. made it to the news, it was, yeah, it was crazy, and I was so happy for him, he had asked us all to sit around him on the stage and stuff, because he was very nervous, and sure. I was holding, I'd be nervous too, yeah, <laughs> I was holding the camera in one hand and holding my friend Sarah's hand with my other hand. And all of a sudden, I just started crying, like just so much happy tears for all of my friends and all the love that was happening in that building at that time and just all the cool stuff. And then, of course, one of my favorite bands, Camp Cope, played mm-hmm. right after the, right after and or not right after, like a little while after, but just the whole vibe of that whole festival was just beautiful and amazing. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was like a a theme or a central um, organizing principle around. Uh, yeah, I think they mostly focus on inclusivity, being inclusive and um, all ages. Yeah. I think oh, that's their, yeah, their yeah. main focus. That there. is very cool. Yeah, it was, <laughs> the rules on it were pretty strict. I had to be like, okay, guys, do it's at a school so no funny business no no bringing your booze in the car none right, of that right. stuff don't do that Plus it was strictly chem free too yes the whole like yep. the whole grounds and everything yep. no smoking cigarettes other things oh, nothing wow. that's amazing at all. yeah it was really cool they had us open um we were one of the first bands that played the whole festival like we were the first band that played and it was literally as people were coming in and some some of the kids there that was their first like concert ever like it was so cool that's awesome (laughs) I was just like oh my god I love it just that feeling of being able to pass the torch was kind of cool yeah yeah oh my god absolutely totally is there anything else you want to add about the quirk or Grand Rapids or anything else before we close and listen to your song <laughs> oh wow I don't know um yeah just try your best try your yeah. best to be a good person have an open heart and open mind to new things and, and all go to the show hey? yeah go to a show <laughs> uh biggest thing buy merch support the bands that you're listening to <laughs> you might think that that bar has their back but most most of the time they don't get paid shit so uh just support oh. support the people that you see are doing good things we'll just stop it right here and All thanks right. so much that thanks sounds back. good <laughs> thank you And that's it. That was my conversation with Beck Graham from The Quirk, uh, a band out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. In our interview, Beck did mention a lot of bands, so we're going to list them all in the description for this episode. And she also mentioned pretty much immediately at the start of our interview, as well as at the end, Mr. Tyler Dykema. And so we're also going to include some information in this episode's description about his zine and, and other work. We're also planning on interviewing him later this fall, which I'm really excited about. After listening to this interview one more time, there are so many things that I admire about Beck that I just want to share and take a second to highlight. One thing is when we were talking about creating safer spaces at shows, we started our discussion focusing on individuals who choose to misbehave, sometimes egregiously. And Beck immediately reframed the discussion to advocate for what is now currently considered a best practice in creating safer spaces, and that's to focus on the victim of an incident and not the perpetrator, to find out how you can help that person and make them safe in that moment. And I know that one of the resources Beck has used to frame her work in creating safer spaces is the recently published book, Making Spaces Safer, A Guide to Giving Harassment the Boot Wherever You Work, Play, and Gather. And that's a book by Shauna Potter, who is the lead singer of the band The War on Women. So I also wanted to give a shout out uh, and a plug to that work and 
also to Beck again for really taking her work so seriously and uh, gently and kindly reminding me what best practices are when it comes to creating safer spaces. In the same vein, one of the things that really struck me about our interview is when at the start of our discussion, I gave Beck kudos for the work that she'd been doing in Grand Rapids around accessibility and immediately without skipping a beat, she said, it's really the work we're all doing. And that kind of humility and focus on the scene and focus on what a community of people are doing together is once again a great reminder of how to stay focused and, and how to stay true to our values as we, um, as we navigate our independent music scenes. And lastly, I just want to celebrate the moment of this interview when I'm giving Beck some compliments about the song in her set where she puts down her guitar and picks up a microphone, and in particular, one performance where I saw this happen and it was truly transformative and magical. And as I am giving her praise, without any sort of inflated ego and also without any qualifications whatsoever, she simply said, it was tight. And that kind of confidence is just completely inspiring for me. So make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are getting your podcasts. And of course, tell a friend about the Unstoppable Rock podcast. That would be a big help to us. As a reminder, we are part of the Spirit of Rock Network. You can also find When Particles Collide, my band, on Spotify. Just search When Particles Collide. We're on Instagram at When Particles Collide. We're on Facebook at When Particles Collide. You can also go to Patreon which is a platform that allows fans and friends to directly support an artistic endeavor. And my band, When Particles Collide, is on Patreon. Just simply search for When Particles Collide. And you can chip in a small monthly sum to help us stay on the road. And you'll get new music. You'll get copies of this podcast before anyone else. And you'll also get videos and some monthly essays that I write about life on the road. We'd love to see you there. And remember... Your new favorite band or artist is somewhere in a town you've never been to, making songs that have nothing to do with fulfilling a record contract. So let's spread the word, let's help each other all be a little more unstoppable. And here is the Quirk song, In Her Eyes. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. One drink too many. 